Yo, 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 what's going on, everyone? I want to welcome everyone to the first of many episodes to come of our new podcast called Getting to Know God. Y'all don't even know how excited I am for this. This is the place where we look to the scriptures and only the scriptures to know the one true living God of the Bible, letting him speak for himself in his word through the Psalms. I'm Brandon, also known as Pastor B-Side, and I'm the knucklehead that the Lord founded humors to use to share these awesome things that we find in the scriptures, specifically in the Psalms. So that's enough about me. Let's talk more about him. So today we're going to be looking at the attributes of God as he describes them of himself in Psalm 1. And our title today is called, Who is Blessed? But real quick, before we get started, I just wanted to remind you that if you've been digging on the studies that we do as Proper Knowledge Ministries, which is our parent ministry, or anything that I got my hands in these days, please hit the like button, hit the share button, and make sure that you're subscribed to this podcast. I know it sounds silly, but it really helps to make sure that this teaching can be more easily found for folks who need it. The more action and activity that social media sees around this stuff here, the more likely it is to recommend it to others. And that's what we need. At the end of it all, it really helps us bring glory to the Lord. Amen. So enough of that. Let's check these verses. All right. So in Psalm 1, starting in verse 1, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the council of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does, he shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Now, let's break it all down. The English usage of the word blessing these days can be very confusing compared to the biblical usage of the word. Oftentimes, the human interpretation of a blessing is based on the circumstances that we as people can classify as good. If the circumstances and the qualities of goodness don't match God's definition of goodness coming from him directly, then our understanding of a blessing is flawed and pretty much worthless. So ultimately, there have been a lot of people that have categorized some circumstances in this life as blessings from God, and they were totally wrong. Even though the circumstances might have seemed good, from our human perspective, God's perception of things is often very, very different. So it's really important that we look at the scriptures to know how God defines a blessing in order to truly understand whether or not we are blessed. So Psalm 1 is maybe one of the simplest places to go in the Bible to understand God's definition of a blessing. The Psalm is as clear as the Bible ever is to describe what a blessing is actually by describing what a blessed person looks like. Psalm 1 gives us a clear and understandable description of the character of a person that has received God's blessing. Since this original word for blessed is often translated into the English word happiness, 
Psalm 1 actually explains that the only true form of happiness actually comes from God in the form of his unique blessing. No matter what other people might say about how happiness can be gained in this life, all that stuff is nonsense. The standards of God's word show what true happiness looks like when we receive it from God himself. Now, these aren't my words, so if you don't like what I have to say, that's what it is. I'm just reading them from God's own word, and it's true whether you believe it or not, and that's actually good news for all of us. So Psalm 1 begins to explain what a blessing is by describing what a blessed person isn't. So check it out. Here's what verse 1 says. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. So there's a specific type of lifestyle that a blessed person lives by. Notice that the one who is blessed doesn't make it a habit to dwell in the presence of ungodly people in any way, shape, or form. Now, this isn't to say that blessed people stay totally clear of ungodly people. That's not really reasonable. I don't even think it's possible. But a person who's blessed of God doesn't make it a habit to link up with ungodly people on a regular basis and doesn't like seek out ungodly people, unless maybe to share the gospel, right? So being blessed doesn't require isolation from all sinners. Again, that's not really possible. And it doesn't help us really obey the command that Jesus gave in the Great Commission, right? After all, we all still sin, so how are we going to separate from ourselves? <laughs> Instead, a blessed person doesn't make it a habit to hang out around sin and doesn't grow comfortable in the environments where sin is like the normal, regular practice of whatever's going on there. In the second half of verse 1, it said that a blessed person doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. And what that means is that those who have received the blessing of God from God himself should understand the poisonous nature of ungodly wisdom. Those who have received God's blessing should understand the value of God's own wisdom and how contrary that is compared to the wisdom of the world. So God's people shouldn't make it a habit of life to have their lives governed by a worldly standard and human standard of wisdom and philosophy and ideology and all those other things, right? So those who are truly blessed by God should learn from God to detect the corruption of human rationale, of selfish ambition, right? By the influence of the Holy Spirit. As God's people, we often fall into the constant temptations around us. We all fall into worldliness from time to time, right? But those who have been truly blessed by God, we don't make excuses. We shouldn't really tolerate those mistakes, chopping it up as the normal way of living these days, right? As God's people, we can't be comfortable living a life governed by the words, opinions, and teachings of ungodly people who make up their own standards and forms of righteousness and their own brand of wisdom. We can't be cool with that. In the third part of verse 1, it says that God's people don't stand in the paths of sinners. Now here, the Bible talks about standing, and it's referring to the effort that we take to establish a position as people within our lives. So standing in the path of sinners is to join up with them in partnership and actually live like them. The original Hebrew word used to describe sinners in this verse refers to those who are guilty of an offense, much like a criminal. So in other words, those who have received God's blessing should find it really difficult to establish themselves, right? To, to build the foundation of their lives in the midst of those who live as an offense to God and then do so without any conviction or concern, 
That's not a good place to be, right? There should be great uneasiness and almost anxiety about the concept of establishing or forging relationships and partnerships with those who make it a point of life or a habit of their lives to live as an offense to God without them even considering his ways and purposes. Because we know if they stay in that condition, they're going to end up in a bad situation. And why would we want to be joined to that? See, as God's people, we shouldn't be comfortable spending all of our time with those who are indifferent to God indifferent to his standards and the consequences associated with offending him by living like that. A true child of God is one that has a hard time identifying with those who don't care for or even consider God in any regard. So the Bible teaches that those who have been truly blessed by God don't make it a habit also to sit in the midst of the scornful. And you get that in the fourth part of verse 1. So here the reference to sitting means to like rest and recline, right? If you're tired, you sit down to get rest. So God's people shouldn't find comfort in dealing with scornful people as if we're unified in their thinking and ways of life. And that's, and we find rest in that, right? We find peace in that. Now the word scornful here is a loaded word that's centered on how people speak. Its literal meaning refers to someone who speaks arrogantly, even barbarically or crude. So the Bible often uses this word to describe those who are like sharp critics of other people or those who are motivated to openly dislike and disrespect others. So the scornful refers to people entertained and hyped up by gossips, by trash talking, by slander, by putting people down with that kind of stuff, right? So where there are words that bring other people down, the scornful, that's where they're at. They love seeing people belittled and trashed by someone else's word, like it's, like it's entertaining and it's funny to them. The Lord, he is not a fan. Those who have truly received God's blessings shouldn't find comfort in this sort of environment or situation either. Those who are truly happy because of God's blessings shouldn't be happy because of words that tear other people down, even if those words are tearing people down that we disagree with. Those who are happy on account of God's genuine blessing should seek out ways to separate from people who are living this way on a regular basis without concern, like it's normal and it's acceptable, and even they get gratification because some other people think it's funny. This stuff ain't good for our souls. So Psalm 1 goes on to say that a truly blessed person not only refrains from and separates from this type of lifestyle, but also delights in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. The psalmist wrote this in verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. So there's a lot of people that simply isolate from others, but don't seek the Lord in this process, right? They might just play video games or they on TikTok all day by themselves, but they ain't really seeking the Lord. They separate from people, oftentimes just because they don't like people. That's not really what the verse is saying here. That's not how a blessed person lives. A blessed person separates from ungodliness, but in order to be joined to God's righteousness without the corruption of the world or other forms of darkness, right? So to delight in the law of the Lord is to consider the law of the Lord a good thing and then actually desire it. The law of the Lord refers to the revelation of God's righteousness and his holy standards written in the Bible. So those who have been truly blessed of the Lord and have his pure brand of happiness actually desire the word of God and desire learning about his holiness and goodness from the word of God. We should actually be excited to know who God is based on what the Bible teaches us about him. And by the way, that's a little different than just liking the Bible just because you think it's going to help you live a problem-free life. That's not what the text is saying here. 
So God's true people don't delight in the Lord simply to get stuff from him in the form of like circumstantial blessings that are ultimately false. Those who are truly blessed value and dig God's testimony of himself according to the Bible because we value and dig God himself, right? The desire we should have for God's word should dominate our thinking. If we know even a little bit about God from his word, we should know that he's worth that kind of consideration, right? So in the second part of verse 2, the psalmist wrote that those who are truly blessed meditate day and night on God's righteousness. This means that God's blessing should cause us to be like overcome and absorbed in his goodness, his righteousness, his purposes, and his eternally unconditional promises. Now, this is in stark contrast to the thinking of the ungodly who are motivated by selfishness, temporary affections, and worthless dreams that have no eternal substance of any kind. Now, this sort of influence from the word of God produces some pretty awesome effects. In verses three through four, again, it says, he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. The Bible teaches that when our minds are governed by the things of God, we'll be like trees that are planted by rivers of flowing water. This refers to the fact that the word of God is what establishes us in a relationship with God, which then settles our souls with satisfaction. And notice there was no mention of circumstances of any kind. And isn't that what we're all looking for anyway? See, God is the only one that can produce this effect. So whatever else we're seeking or trying to do to get to this place, it ain't going to happen. And deep down, I think we all know it too, right? This is a big contrast compared to those who are not blessed, people who are compared to chaff that blows in the wind. The Bible teaches that their lives are full of instability, discontentment, and the absence of purpose and direction. I mean, that's miserable. And that actually sounds like a lot of people, right? But you see the problem here? There's no God. There's no Bible. There's no hope. So there's no blessing. There's no purpose. And that's all bad news. The Bible teaches that those who are blessed by God are able to bear fruit according to God's provision and God's providence, the things he gives according to his plans and purposes, which are spiritual and eternal in nature. And that's basically what the second half of verse three is explaining. These things come in season like fruit does, and it's all based on God's purpose. We're not going to be overflowing all the time like we'd all like to be, right? So there are lean seasons, and we don't like to hear that, but that's true. But this life isn't only lean seasons for God's people. The fruit that comes to our lives as children of God is the direct effect of the delight we should have in God's word and the focus on his righteousness. If we don't value God and his word, we're going to have more dry seasons than fruitful ones. And I think all of human history proves that true. When we learn to value God and his word and learn to love his righteousness above everything else, that's when the blessing of God really makes a difference in life. And again, it has very little to do with the circumstances of our lives. The fruitfulness that God produces in our lives serves as the evidence that God's blessing has been received 
And that ultimately glorifies him, and that's the way it should be. But it's that glorification of him that gives us that satisfaction that we're ultimately looking for, that we've defined as blessings in other ways. So this all means that the fruit the Bible promises is all supernatural in nature, as the result of God's own work to bless those who value him above everything else, not just valuing the things that he does that seem good to us. And believe me, he knows the difference. (laughs) God promised that the leaves of a blessed person will never wither. And that's the third part of verse 3. The seasons of life are going to change. We don't like that. We wish they would always be like springtime, right? But it's not going to feel good all the time. But it's not going to feel bad all the time either. A lot of people are trying to fake happiness all the time because they think that that's going to convince people that they're really blessed by God. But that's not what the Bible teaches about how God's blessings work. When the Bible talks about these leaves not withering, it's teaching about the perseverance and endurance that God provides for our faith that leads us to the fulfillment of our blessing. The happiness that comes from God's blessing doesn't come on account of circumstances. We don't have to have the opinion that things are good in cultural terms in order for us to bear fruit and enjoy the benefits of God's goodness. Things don't have to line up to perfection by our standards in the absence of opposition or discomfort in order for us to enjoy the goodness of God's blessings. If things work that way, it would show that God is pretty weak, which really isn't true. So the Bible is filled with examples of men and women who were happy and satisfied with God's influence and his presence in their lives, even though their lives were hard and scary, and in some cases just flat out sucked. As God's people, we should be committed to him, rooted and grounded in him, immovable from him, and by extension, able to endure the constant difficulties and obstacles of life that everyone has to deal with, believers included. And that's what being a Christian is all about. It's like Jesus said about the wise person who builds their house on top of a rock in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 25. So he said that though the winds come and the storm hits, the wise person's structure stands strong because of its foundation. And the foundation he described as the rock. And the rock refers to Jesus himself because he's God in flesh. Now, the question is, how do we build a foundation on Jesus like we would lay a structure on an actual foundation in this world, right? The Bible teaches that we need to live by faith in the eternal and spiritual purposes and promises of God. We need to hear the truth of scripture, consider it, that means like mentally process some stuff, right? Accept it as true and let that understanding govern our lives and the decisions we make for everything. That's biblical faith in a nutshell. And the Bible assures people who believe this way, they will receive the supernatural ability to actually live the way that Psalm 1 is describing. So if living this way seems impossible to you, (laughs) that's because it is. God didn't say we're supposed to bless ourselves and then get his blessing. The Bible teaches that we simply need to trust in what the Bible says about who God is, specifically through the testimony of Jesus, and then he'll take care of the rest. And when I'm talking about the testimony of Jesus, I'm not talking about just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'm talking about Genesis all the way through Revelation. That's what makes the blessing so sure and so good because of the full counsel of God's word to give us the full testimony of who Jesus is and how he does this work. God himself is the source of the blessing because he is the blessing. 
When we consider the full context of Psalm 1, it's pretty clear to see that a blessed person is a saved person. A blessed person is someone who was born again by the Holy Spirit through faith in the testimony of Jesus Christ being God in flesh and Israel's Messiah. And what Israel's Messiah means is that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Father's eternally unconditional purposes and promises as outlined plainly in Scripture. A blessed person is someone who has been justified of sin or forgiven of sin, declared righteous even though we're sinners, and then sanctified from the eternal consequences of that. Justification is God's declaration of righteousness towards those who believe in him, giving us his approval. A blessed person is someone that receives the spiritual nourishment of God from the Bible to stand strong in faith concerning his promises according to the testimony of his righteousness in the Bible from cover to cover, not just the parts we like. A blessed person is someone that is separated by God from the things of this miserable world and our selfish motives that are going to lead us to really bad places, right? And all of that is based on internal convictions in our hearts that come on account of the Holy Spirit and the example of Jesus Christ that we see in Scripture. Now, even though people often refer to blessings as circumstantial instances that we prefer and enjoy for a moment, the Bible speaks more powerfully of a real blessing. A blessing isn't just a preference of circumstances. According to Psalm 1, a blessing is a requirement to have life. Look at what verses 5 through 6 say at the end of Psalm 1. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Now, according to Psalm 1, those who are not blessed, as God describes here, are considered ungodly by his standards. And those standards are the ones that matter in the end. The Bible plainly says that the ungodly will not be able to stand in judgment which means that they're going to fall down before God in the shame of their guilt without God's forgiveness, which is the essence of God's blessing. They will be separated from the congregation of the righteous, which shows that the blessed person is also the one who is able to dwell in the congregation of the righteous. This is a reference to heaven itself. Since righteousness comes by the exclusive authority of God's declaration, right? Justification, that's what we talked about when he provides saving faith through the gospel of Jesus Christ, then the blessed person is a spiritually regenerated person that is being conformed into the image of Jesus. When we fit what's being taught in Psalm 1 in with the full counsel of God's word, these are the conclusions we have to come to. This describes the work that God does to forgive the sins of those who believe in the testimony of his word, where he spiritually resurrects a dead soul that was corrupt so that he can give life and a good purpose to his people. And by the way, that purpose is a purpose that he defines. <laughs> That's the blessing. This is the only reason that a blessed person can stand as righteous before God as a well-watered tree that bears fruit, separated from the shame of sin and condemnation, which is actually what makes the ungodly fall down in judgment. It's because a blessed person is filled with the spirit of the blessed one, who is Jesus Christ. Now, we don't earn this benefit. God just expects us to believe in the value of the benefit above all other things. And he expects us to believe in the way that he gives this benefit. 
which was ultimately fulfilled by Jesus's incarnation, life, death, resurrection, and it will be fulfilled through his ascension, which enables him to come again, and then all these blessings will be fulfilled. The Lord knows the ways of the righteous, and so he doesn't make mistakes in this judgment or his classification of who is blessed. God is the only one that's actually righteous. That's the truth of the matter. So God is looking out for his own characteristics in the lives of his own people who have received his own spirit by faith in his grace to offer forgiveness of sins by his works of redemption through Jesus Christ, who is God in flesh. The Bible plainly says that those who are not blessed will perish. So rejecting God's blessing to make up your own version of a blessing will strip this life away from you. And offending God by rejecting his offer is another way of accepting hell instead of his blessing. So these people will be separated from life that God gives. And the quality of life that God gives is eternal life, which means the only other alternative is eternal death. These people will be destroyed and exterminated. I mean, it sounds like a bummer, but this is the truth of what the Bible teaches. You can't reject God, the author of life, and expect a good outcome. It is what it is because God said so, and he's right. And you can argue with him all you want, but it's not going to change the position of truth, right? Now, thankfully, God offers the blessing to anyone that will hear and receive the gospel of Jesus Christ by faith. So those who are blessed are blessed by God. We're not blessed by our own efforts to produce the effects that scriptures describe God doing. That's the same thing as trying to be God, and best believe he's not down with that. So being blessed means that we need to admit that we don't have the ability to match God's blessing according to his righteousness. But if we really believe that and then seek his blessing by faith in what he says in his word, his free gift and all the benefits of it are right there for the taking, just like the Bible says. So that's what Psalm 1's all about. So I want to thank you all for listening today. And if you agreed with these things, guess what? By the Bible standards, <laughs> you're blessed. Now, things might not feel blessed for you right now, <laughs> but that's not what it's all about, right? If life ended today and you got to escape God's judgments and condemnation, that sounds like a pretty good situation to be to me, right? So things ain't that bad. If you had to face the Lord today and know that your faith in the testimony of the word would allow you to see the glorious face of Jesus Christ in the assembly of his righteousness, separated from the shame of the ungodly, even though we often make ungodly decisions, that's a blessing. So next time, as a child of God, of the Bible, you feel like blessings are passing you by, remember this truth about the Bible and what God has to say about himself as the blessing. Since we have him, we have forgiveness of all the miserable things we've ever said, the things we've ever thought, and of course, the things we've done. And since we have him, he won't treat us like we deserve to be treated, having offended him so often, falling short of his glory. Since we have him, we get eternal life through his righteousness. We're at his right hand, the place where Jesus is, there is pleasure forevermore. So that's what the Bible teaches about the one we know as God. But before we get out of here, I just wanted to give you a quick reminder to please take a second, make sure you're subscribed, and make sure you share the link to this podcast on your social media, and make sure you're letting people know about what we got going on here. We need all the people we can to know the truth about God 
and the hope that he wants to give as we're studying verse by verse through his word. Don't keep the people you know from hearing the truth and hope they may need. And also, keep in mind that all of the Bible teaching we do here is 100% listener supported. This means that I depend on listeners just like you to pay the bills for the tools that makes this stuff available to you, as well as pay for all the time it takes to study the word and prepare to this degree. So if this podcast is helpful to you, like legitimately helpful, and you value this sort of teaching and dig on the beats and those sorts of things, please prayerfully consider sending a donation this way. We're a legit nonprofit. I'm not trying to pull jack moves here, right? 501c3 operating through our parent ministry called Proper Knowledge Ministries. You can check us out. Now, if you're down with all that and you'd like to partner with the work of the gospel and how we're doing what we do, please visit pastorbside.com. Pastor, the letter B, side, like the flip side of a record. Hit the support tab and give any amount that you're able as the Lord leads. Every bit helps. And if the Lord would lead you, maybe consider partnering monthly with us, making your gift recurring, kind of like tithing to a church because, I mean, church is founded on the true teaching of the Bible, and that's exactly what we're doing here. Ministries like this need support just like any other. For all the false teaching being shared out there, let's partner together and make a strong effort to get more good teaching out there. So again, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the study. I hope you're digging all the other things we got going on too. So until next time, peace out.